It seems like, and I feel like I think this every year, but it seems more so now that the year 2023 has been the worst when it comes to wrestling deaths. We've lost so many, so many stars in the wrestling world this year. And once again, we, we lost another another one. Adnan El Kaisi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Probably did not. But better known as General General Adnan passed away earlier this last week at the age of 84. Um, I don't have a lot of memory deflection of General Adnan. He had a couple different personas in his wrestling career. Uh, most notably as General Adnan going into SummerSlam 1991, the match made in hell where Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior teamed against the Triangle of Terror, which was Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, otherwise known as the Iron Sheik, and General Adnan. Two-on-three two on handicap match, Sid Justice as a referee. Um, again, I'm not too familiar with his his in-ring work and what he what he brought to the table, but nevertheless, it's another wrestling death of 2023, and uh, he will still definitely be missed. So at this time to start this week's episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast, I'd like to dedicate this week's episode to General Adnan, his family, his friends, and his fans, and just want to take a moment of silence at this time to remember General Adnan. Thank you. Welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and let me give you just a brief history lesson of this podcast to start things off. Not even really a history lesson, it's just fun to say. But we have, in the early days of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast, it was a big deal to myself and especially my Facebook producer, Ryan Johnson, where we had a guest from Canada on the show. It was the first time that... Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast was talking to somebody outside of the United States when Des Lorraine was on the podcast, and he's been on it a couple different times, and it set the record. And then just last week, we broke that record as we had Michael Wheeler on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast all the way from England. Well, Michael, you've held that record for one week, and that is now broken as well, because joining me today, and I tell you what, coordinating a time to get... Somebody all the way from Australia onto this podcast while we're both still awake. My my good friend Sam Moonbeam Davidson, all the way from what 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 part of Australia are you in? Remind me. Queensland, Brisbane. Okay, all the way from Brisbane, Australia, and I probably butchered the name of that already. Am I off to a bad start? <laughs> No, no, not all at right. all. But what, all a, right. what an intro, though. All right. Well, I try to build it up. But yes, Sam Moonbeam Davidson all the way from Australia. And I, I, I've been, you and I have talked on and off for quite a while about you coming on to the podcast. 
and there's been a lot of jokes because at this point, I, I I think it's safe to say you know me very well, and I do. I've always for the last probably couple of years now, I've always considered you one of my closest friends, and I laugh about it too because we were both on the second Jericho cruise together. And you know of one instance where you were probably around me, one specific instance, and that you br- brought to my attention. I don't. I surely don't remember talking to you at all on that podcast or on the podcast on that cruise, and uh, let alone during those episodes, talk is Jericho episodes of Talk is Jericho that was recorded on the <laughs> on the on the cruise. So I, <laughs> that way I can say podcast. Uh, but I don't remember talking to you on that cruise at all. And then I just see on Facebook. Uh, some cruiser who says y'all need Jesus and we became friends and uh, and you were just one of those friends to me for a while who lo- liked uh, a few of my posts and that was about it and then somehow we I messaged you about something talking about wrestling I, I think it was well yeah oh of course it was wrestling related <laughs> had to have been always and at least starting off uh, it was like hey how are you liking wrestling through this global pandemic we're in or something and uh, yep nevertheless you messaged me back and uh uh, we've developed quite a friendship, but this is my first time actually verbally talk. You, you've been, I've appreciated you from the get go of this podcast and I've said it on the air on this podcast before you've had some public shout outs that you weren't expecting that I'd get a message about later on. Uh, but I've always appreciated you when it comes to caddy chat wrestling talk podcast. Um, you've had several times where you listen to it and I, I've all of a sudden start receiving Facebook message after Facebook message after Facebook message of all your thoughts at random times of things I said, or the conversation was said during, and I'm like, all right, what were we talking about at that point? <laughs> but I've always appreciated the feedback and the support. And, uh, no, I love it. I love what you're doing. And like I always say to you, I really love the passion that you bring to it. And every conversation I, we were just, I think we were just talking about this, you know, Every conversation where you talk to different people, you just hear that one thing that brings us together, and that it's that love of wrestling. Yeah, and I think you embody it. So I love it. Well, and thank you. I'm really honoured that you invited me to be on. <laughs> so and it was it, it was quite the debate. And so like, well, and that's where I was saying I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because so we've we've talked on Messenger. You've heard my voice plenty. I've sent you voice message after voice message. If it was a lot for me to type out, I would like record my thoughts and words and then you would have some sort of playback you'd have to listen to so you you're all too familiar with my voice and i think i've heard your voice a total like twice on snapchat where you're talking to your son and uh so to actually have (laughs) you on here talking to you in real time verbally like our podcast listeners the podcast listeners aren't listening to you typing a message (laughs) yeah so yeah i'm just not like i keep saying to you i'm just not a big um Big verbal person, or at least not. Um, I, I don't like putting myself out there. I'm usually quite, well, pretty quiet. So I mean, this was getting me out of my shell. So thank all, you. Um, all of the thousands of <laughs> thousands and thousands, because you know, Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast is pretty a pretty big deal. I, I wish I could say that, but yeah, I do have uh, I do absolutely. have a fan base, <laughs> and you've helped spread my fan base in Australia. So I've appreciated you for that, and uh, and so now people are getting to 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 know the woman behind the name a little more just for this conversation we're having here today and i i yeah, had and some of my outrageous <laughs> takes on wrestling <laughs> oh uh, i'm oh man i can't wait to talk all about them but uh no i just i've always appreciated you and i'm 
I, I had to debate with you a little bit. I, I initially, I said, what are you doing this certain day? I don't know, specifically, because I then had to look at my message back because I asked it a certain way, and then I had to remember how I asked it. But ultimately, I, I asked you if you were busy, and you said, no, I don't think so. And then at that moment, I said, oh, no. Did I ask her if she was busy or if she was free? Because that, that no, I don't think so, is two completely different answers depending on what the question is. And uh, <laughs> so luckily I said, are you busy? And you said no. And then you immediately said, am I officially making my Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk <laughs> podcast debut? And then before then you started, you're like, because if I am, it's going to be an hour of me laughing about CM Punk the whole time. And like, and here you are laughing. And then I was like, well, I do want you on the podcast. We will talk about CM Punk. But we'll talk about other things, too. And immediately, you kind of got, I don't want to say defensive, but you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea. Do you really want me on? Like, And I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's have a conversation. Let's talk about wrestling. And then you join me on Zoom tonight, and the first question you ask me, well, it's tonight here. It's 11 o'clock at night where it's, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon near time. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> and uh, actually... Hopefully, I've been pretty decent about that all this time. Yeah, no, too. <laughs> in comparison to a lot of your friends who never remember what time you are out there, and um, and then yeah, where you you had the doubts, and I was like, well, I always enjoy talking to you about wrestling, so now let's talk about wrestling where we have an audience. But the very first question you asked me as soon as you got on Zoom, right before you hung up on me, was, now nobody's gonna be seeing me here, right? <laughs> So I think for for today's episode, you're probably thankful that we don't do Facebook Live nearly as often for this podcast anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, it's uh, um, I, I, I do want to hear your story, just like I ask anyone else, as you've already mentioned. But I want to ask you first and foremost, because I've already mentioned to the listeners how we kind of, how we first got acquainted with each other. It was through that second Jericho cruise, even if... There was little to no interaction. I'm sure we had some, even if it was walking by each other. Um, but you're all the way in Australia. You've you've not to take your tell your story before you get the chance to. You have lived in the U.S. for what a year earlier in your life, and uh, so I mean, yeah, I guess talk about that a little bit, just briefly, and then what got you into signing up for that second Jericho cruise? Let's let's hear all about it. So I think I'll, I'll go back to when the, the first Jericho cruise was on was actually over my birthday. Um, and I remember it, like seeing it come out and just desperately wanting to go, but not having anyone to go with. Um, but I was actually going to the WrestleMania after that. So, okay, okay I'll, I'll <laughs> skip it this time. Maybe there'll be another one. So I went to WrestleMania and then after WrestleMania, I went on a cruise with some friends that I studied with um, and I heard about the second one and I thought, hmm. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll think about it because I've just been to WrestleMania, of course. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I was talking to a friend of mine and then one morning on the way to work, I went, no, nope, you know what? I'm actually going to book the Jericho cruise. So I called her and I said, hey, you want to go on another cruise? Because we, we'd been talking about how much we loved the cruise we went on. And I said to her, how do you feel about going on a wrestling cruise? She is not at all a wrestling fan. Oh. I, like she probably watched it in the early 2000s like everybody else. But outside of that, she like doesn't watch it all. No idea what's going on. And she goes, yeah, why not? Sounds oh. fun. So we booked right. it. And that, that's how we ended up sort of going on it. Um, and there was enough time between 
you know, having gone on, like gone to WrestleMania and then going to on the wrestling cruise that sort of logistically it made sense. So, yeah, yeah, it was, I want to say it was spontaneous, probably not super spontaneous. Like the idea had been sort of simmering since the first one, but yeah, when it it came up, I just thought, no, let's do it. Let's book it. So we did. And (laughs) the rest is history. (laughs) Well, and I was, because the very first Jericho cruise was in, obviously, you know, the month, it was in October of 2018. And that second cruise was a little more of a turnaround time from what they normally advertise for. And I say advertise because there's been two different cruises that they have announced that ended up getting pushed back uh, for, you know, global pandemic and other reasons. Uh, But it was just where I'm like frantically, I'm panicking because I'm, how am I going to afford this cruise in this short amount of time? I need at least a year. And, uh... But, no, there, there was a little more of a turnaround time right from the get-go between Jericho Cruise 1 and Jericho Cruise 2. Because we had, yeah, what was October of 2018, and then the second one wasn't until late January of 2020. And somehow we were able to get that cruise in before the world turned completely upside down. And, you know, there's that global pandemic and everything. But, uh, so, yeah, I mean, and WrestleMania being early April, you had... I guess practically a year between WrestleMania and the cruise to make it happen. So now your friend you went with, is she, is she in Australia as well? Or is she in the United States or? No, she, she lives down in Alabama. Oh, okay. And that's what, that's what I wanted to. So, and you lived in Alabama once upon a time. Yeah. So I did a year of exchange when I was 16 in Mobile. Right down south. (laughs) (laughs) And as I told you before we came on here, one of those states I haven't been to yet. One of these days, I'll be able to say I've been to all 50 states. Hopefully, I can say Oh, I've... send me a message. She'll show you around. She'll help you visit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> one of these days, I'll, I'll say uh, I've, I've ring-announced in all 50 states. Uh, right now, I think the n- number of states I've ring-announced in, excluding a wedding party that I did in New York, because as much as I want to count that, that wasn't actually a wrestling venue. But... Uh, wrestling shows ring announced, I think, let's see, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, one state that we don't talk about, and Illinois. And I can't remember if I did, like, South Dakota. I don't think I have done South Dakota, but there's five states. Not nearly enough. I'm then, starting to circle out. Yeah. You're, just, you're expanding <laughs> that radius. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe my first time in Alabama is to, like be in Alabama to ring announce or whatever else. And be like, because that's one of the, it's one of the, 45 states I haven't ring announced in. It's one of the 26 states I haven't even stepped foot in. I also count airports, where a lot of people want to disagree with me, but if it wasn't for airports... I think it depends how much time you spend in the airport. Like, <laughs> for me, I've, I've gone to a lot of states. I've never left the airport at Atlanta, but I've been through that airport and yeah. spent so much time at that airport that I would consider it now that I've at least was, spent a day in Atlanta. I was in the Atlanta airport for one hour, but I do count that. <laughs> That's all my time in Georgia was the one hour in the Atlanta airport. I got McDonald's. I was shocked for it being airport food that it was actually as cheap as it was, but then it ended up being a smaller meal than I was expecting. But even so, my, my debit card will say I've been to Georgia, which is why I will count that. <laughs> like, I made a purchase there while I was there. But yeah, Georgia, North Carolina, I've been to Charlotte, North Carolina airports more times than I can count at this point. And Seattle, Washington, Washington State, those are... Uh, my my states I've only been to airports in, but I count all three of them. I mean Washington State that was always going to and from Alaska, and those are those are some long flights and even longer layovers. So I probably should have left the airport, but like 
Oh, one or two of them were overnight layovers anyway. There wouldn't have been anything to do. Like, everything would be closed. And so, might as well just hang out in that airport. But, uh, I don't know. Well, gives you an excuse to go back now. Well, and that was the thing, too. So, uh, shout out to my buddy Jack Rollis, uh, also active listener of this podcast, which I now that I'm saying that, he better be listening to this episode. And, uh, because, so coming back from Jericho Cruise 4... My layover on my way home was in New York City. And I kind of planned it that way because I never really thought... There's certain states that I will think of completely just as a layover state. <laughs> like, would I, would I go to... Like, can I see myself in a layover? Is it more of a layover destination or a destination destination? New York City, I will forever think, is a destination destination. You go there on vacation, not to spend three hours, but between going from Miami to Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> and, for uh, sure. But Jack actually picked me up from the airport, took me out for some New York pizza, brought me back to the airport in time for my next flight. So like, where I'd already been to awesome. New York before then, it, it kind of changed my perception on things. And then not to steal my, my buddy the Sieve, not to steal his story from him, but he was down in Arizona a few weeks ago, and he had a, a layover in Las Vegas when he was flying up to uh, Minnesota. So he's like, well, I've never been to Las Vegas before. So he went and walked up, up and down like half the strip. And uh, Oh, nice. And it was especially at that moment. I've been to Vegas a couple times. Yeah. But I said at that moment, okay, if my layover is like three hours or longer going forward, I'm leaving the airport. So then, there, especially those states where I wouldn't have been to otherwise, there, there, that way, there's no argument. I could say I've been to those states. Nobody can argue with me on it. They'd be like, well, yes, you did. We came and say you were just in the airport because you technically left the airport. Ha! I win that one. Point for Johnny Cadillac. <laughs> How far out the door of the airport do you need to go, though? Well, like if you just went out and walked down the street a little bit, does that count? Because that's what I'm thinking about, too. Because, like, I, I, I guess I know one friend who lives in the Seattle. Well, she's getting right. I don't know. She's in college, so she just moved to the Seattle area. Um, but I'm like, otherwise, other than her, I don't know anyone who actively lives in Seattle. So I'm like, yeah. It's like, do I call an Uber or do I, like, because um, what if I am in one of those states that I don't know anyone who lives there? Then what do I do? Because I... I don't want to just walk outside, uh, walk out the door of the airport and be like, "All right, I've stepped foot in this state." <laughs> like, <laughs> in that case, just go downtown, I'll just... find a bar, and yeah, meet some new people. <laughs> so then you would know someone. So what brings you to the state? Oh, I'm on a layover right now. I'm flying back home in an hour. <laughs> no, you make up a story, just make it more fun. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> if there's one thing I think I might be able to handle, it's doing just that. I I have a pretty wild imagination, so. Exactly. So, all right. Now, you already alluded to it once before. The question all, brings all of us crazy wrestling fans together. Where does your story start? When did wrestling become a thing for you? Let's let's hear your, your wrestling story, so to speak. So, I, I don't think I can remember the year that I started watching wrestling. But, you know, like we were talking sort of before we started about remembering like bits and pieces like I just remember snippets of like old Nitro from the you know really early on from like that 96 97 period yeah but once we once Nitro or WCW ceased being a thing (laughs) that was when I really started getting into wrestling with WWF um and sort of started watching I guess full-time 
right when they were doing that invasion storyline. All right, I'm going to pause you right there because you've heard my story. You, I know you listen to Ask Johnny Cadillac Anything. That was my, mm-hmm. my first attempt of doing a whole podcast episode by myself. And to my feedback, it sounds like it was a success. But that's where... I, that's where I started watching WWF too, and it was for me. It was because I grew up in a Christian family, and so for whatever ungodly reason ahead of time, my parents thought there was a, a such thing as too much wrestling. So when Nitro became a thing, they said that's too much wrestling. And I, I know you know my dad's not here to defend it anymore. My mom's still here, and she'll probably argue with me on it. But they they did. They asked me. To choose one company or the other. And WCW was kind of what I was enjoying more at the time. So I said, yeah, let's stick with WCW. So we did. And so WWF wasn't a thing anymore. And then the attitude, well, and our household wasn't a thing. And the attitude era started. So then they were glad I made that decision. But then when WCW went out of business, again, being that Christian family we were, the amount of pleading and trying to convince my parents to let me watch WWF right before that invasion era started because I was like, you know how much I love wrestling. Yeah. I can't just give this up. And WWF's the only wrestling provider right now. All Elite Wrestling doesn't exist yet. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, they eased me into it. And then it just so happened that once I finally let me start easing into it is when that Invasion era started, which the Invasion pay-per-view, fun fact, was on my birthday. And so, nice. and so uh, where I... Uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, we have to order this pay-per-view. And that's where they're like, oh, we we can't, we have to draw the line on that because we don't want to spend money on this WWF watching. It's bad enough that we let you watch it in the first place. But it is my birthday, and it's WCW and ECW versus WWF. This, this could be the, I use this line a lot as a kid because in my, my adolescent brain, that's all I knew, but I was like, this could be the biggest wrestling pay-per-view in history. I have to see it. <laughs> and I truly I truly felt that way at the time. As an adult now, looking back, I'm like, okay. It definitely was not. <laughs> but in my... Oh, when I think about the passion that I felt for that storyline, now I just look <laughs> back and go, oh my god, how embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for my just turning 12 years old, that was my 12th birthday, and... uh um, so I, I won that battle and, and then, you know, but that was my thing. And that's what I wanted to ask you was in that storyline, I was all about the Alliance. Like I knew they were the bad guys, they were the heels and okay. Totally there for it though. They were going to win. I mean, they just, they should have won. <laughs> I know. Oh man. Can you imagine how differently things would have been if, cause they start off as the baby faces in that rivalry too. Like I remember emphatically Linda McMahon saying to Vince, are you afraid, Vince? Are you afraid of the competition? Like, but then just the WWF faithful fans like wanted to stick with their brand. So then it was very quickly before it was swapped where WWF was the baby faces in that rivalry. But they me, really lost out not having their star power though. Yeah, well. no, like, I agree. That really damaged that storyline. But like one of my all-time favorite wrestlers always has always been Diamond Dallas Page. And uh, mm-hmm. and he was one of the wrestlers who who did jump ship. Uh, his career at the time was cut incredibly short. Um, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But um, and so and again, I was WCW only, so I didn't watch ECW. If there, uh, I guess one thing 
that my parents wouldn't let me watch WWF, but ECW was even worse. Like, that was, you know, <laughs> TVMA and everything, and on channels that this Christian household wouldn't even think of turning on the TV, let alone for any other program, let alone wrestling. And, uh, but then they're joining forces with, with, WCW, and aside from like the one ECW video game that came out on the Nintendo 64 way back when, I wasn't familiar with the product, well, and wrestling magazines, because I still kept up with those. And uh, and so it was at Invasion 2001, well, the only Invasion pay-per-view, that I really got introduced to Rob Van Dam, who very quickly became my favorite wrestler at that time, because I had to support somebody from the Alliance, and Van yep. Dam was, oh man, he was so good! <laughs> oh, so good. So, so good. So, okay, so you, you stuck with the Alliance through that rivalry, too. I was really conflicted, though, because I loved Jericho. Okay, I loved okay. Jericho. Yeah, and but obviously... I was... I was yeah. familiar with Jericho, because, you know, he'd spent a lot of time in WCW before then, but here's the thing. 12-year-old Johnny Cadillac didn't have the concept of it being okay to... I, I was new to the concept of it being okay to like the bad guys. And I had to like the bad guys yeah. in this one because it was the Alliance. I, I, I grew up on WCW. I can't turn my back on them now. So WWF right. are everyone's favorites, but not mine. And even my brother tried flipping sides at one point, and I was like, ah, traitor. And, uh, but with that said, prior to then... I was always all about the good guys, and I didn't like the heels. Like, I was the traditional wrestling fan. You can only like the good guys, and you have to dislike the bad guys. And uh, um, so Jericho being his true heel self in WCW and, you know, injuring Rey Mysterio Jr.'s knee and everything that he did, and I'm like, I was so used to not liking him that <laughs> it was different for me there. <laughs> I, I, I think... And that's where I think my knowledge with Nitro, like, I, I remember snippets. I didn't okay. watch it as right. regularly as I really obviously do now. Um, so I don't really remember as much of his character then. Where that developed was obviously watching, like, WWF when it started and just the interactions, especially, like, his interactions with The Rock and Stephanie McMahon. Like, that's that's my first, I guess, formed opinion of Jericho okay. well, more so than his WCW so even though that I was obviously familiar with him but the character side of it and like how he portrays himself that was when I really like tipped the scales so, there where so were you primarily watched WCW did you at least still watch WWF here and there at that time then like did you keep up with both products or I don't think so I don't know that we had them but we might have had both of them on our cable, but I don't. Okay. We didn't really have a lot of options. It's Australia, so you know whatever the US has is probably a few <laughs> years behind here. Oh, fair enough. Um, I have a feeling we like because we had TNT. I think it was at the time that had Nitro, and then whatever else, whenever WWF came, it was on a different channel. So I don't know whether we had that channel at the time. I don't really remember watching it when it was on with WCW. Like I, I'd be more inclined to think it came after oh okay. well, interesting yeah, i don't remember it well and then but, yeah i mean because I, I i you know i was just talking to some of my friends about this the other day and we were trying to you know because nitro for the most part was always live and then you know what wwe did in 2000 2012 was old news in wcw where nitro was two hours forever 
And then and they had a special edition episodes that are three hours. And eventually Nitro, for the longest time, said, you know what? We're going to move to three hours. And it was three hours nonstop in Nitro. And then, like I said, <laughs> WWE always did the same thing with Raw, but they didn't go to permanently three hours until 2012. Here we are in 2023, and it's still three hours every Monday. But and three hours is too long. Well, I guess three hours every Tuesday morning for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> anyway and so that but no and that's where i was thinking about because that first hour then was when when on nitro on commentary they would give away the results of what was going to be going on every other week on raw like those pre-recorded episodes just to keep the viewership there and so it was weird and i i noticed it a little bit as a kid not as much but um where I was like, wait, why are they talking about WWF right now? This has nothing to do... I wasn't fully paying attention to what they were saying, but I'd hear those WWF names, and I'm like, why are we talking about these guys? Like, that's nothing to do with what I'm watching. <laughs> and then... Yeah, you know, it's almost like it's just the same thing. Am I watching, like, are you guys <laughs> the same? Like, it didn't... Yeah. Yeah. I, and I do remember things like that as well, like, just hearing WWF doing, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever it was So, are you saying then, uh, at that early day in 1999, or that early month of 1999 where um they announced that mick foley was winning the wwf championship on raw that night and so many people left nitro at that moment to watch raw and then those who stayed with nitro saw the finger poke of doom i'm guessing you don't even remember it from back then but like did no. would you have would you have flipped the channel or would you have stayed with nitro and watched the finger poke of doom yes. If we'll say, oh, that's a hard one because if I hadn't been watching WWF, I probably would have just stuck with Nitro <laughs> and then felt really let down, obviously. Because yeah. um, <laughs> well, to me, like, I think that was some of the things when I was started watching wrestling, it wasn't live. Okay. I mean, it might have been live and I was at school and didn't realize. Um, <laughs> but I was always watching it on replay anyway. Okay. Because yeah. obviously on sort of later in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I would have switched. I would have been that loyalist, as evident by <laughs> the the, um, the invasion storyline. There you go. Well, it's one. It's one of the reasons. One of the things I like about you is we get along so well and we agree on so much, and that just furthers my point there. <laughs> don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, so uh, last week on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast, when I had my friend Michael Wheeler on the show, uh, he was talking about in England, because, you know, he was getting ready to go to All In at Wembley, and so he was talking about how in England, wrestling watching is kind of, especially for AEW, is kind of backwards. Like, for them, 
Dynamite, they show Dynamite on Saturdays, and they show Collision on Wednesdays. Like, it was very weird, and I was like, oh. Because for me, I was born and raised in the United States. The only other countries I've been to outside of the U.S. are all still in North America. So I, I don't, I guess I don't always see things from other perspectives of the world as well. But I've talked to you, is it... Is it all is it all different with wrestling programming as far as when it's recorded live before you're actually able to to before it's even available for you to see it? Yeah, well, I mean, we do we get it live, but we get it live. Uh, so SmackDown was on this morning at ten a.m. Right, um, and it's on a Saturday morning. So for me, obviously, on a Saturday morning, I don't often get a chance to watch it live. Um, what has been really good is the pay-per-views. Oh, sorry, sorry, premium live events. <laughs> I will ever, to a for, Saturday night. I will forever say pay-per-views. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Me too. So will I. Um, but now they're on a Saturday night. I actually get to watch them on a Sunday, but they're on sort of Sunday morning, that 10 a.m. sort of time. Um, I couldn't imagine watching it in the UK, though. And, and that's with All In. I didn't get a chance to watch, at right. least not watch live, because it started at, I think, pre-show was 2 a.m. and then it was going to kick off from 3 a.m. Well, um, and that, yeah, so. that's my confession. Again, people who know me, yourself included, is like, you know, I'm very active with my faith and going to church and those kinds of things. And uh, hopefully nobody from my church hears this podcast because my intention was different. I was going to leave church early, but then ultimately I decided not to go to church at all the day of all in because like the zero hour started at 11 in the morning. That's what time my church service starts. It gets over around noon. So I was going to sneak out like right as the sermon was starting so I could at least catch all in from the the pay-per-view itself from the beginning. But then, you know, I overslept and yeah, just at that point, I'm like, yep, yeah, nope, going to church isn't happening. And uh, so I turned on the Zero Hour on YouTube and right as, actually right as Aussie Open was coming out. So it's fitting that I'm talking to you about this now. <laughs> and uh, And yeah, and then, you know, I watched All In started right at noon and I was ready at noon and... Uh, I miss church that Sunday, and then I miss church the following Sunday, so uh, this Sunday I'm going back. Well, by the time this airs, hopefully I can say yesterday I went to church, but that's all beside the point. Um, so yeah, there's my, my confession of the moment. <laughs> is and so, But then for you, you're like, oh, these premium live events are great because they're on Saturdays, so I can watch them on Sunday mornings, and, <laughs> and it's just what yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we don't... Australia's, I guess, not as religious as the, the well, states with that sort of thing. So that's yeah. even even fair. I mean, number one, I do not own any T-shirts that say "Y'all need Jesus." For the record, <laughs> I don't own any of those shirts. But um, with that said, no, I mean, it's just it's who I am, and it's it's even with other Americans, it's not necessarily the same. So it's neither here nor there. But and that's the thing too. So like your job, for example, you work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like Monday through Friday. It's like you have weekends off, yeah. correct? Yeah. Okay, so then you're not competing with your work to watch those premium live events. It's just it's a Sunday afternoon there or whatever, or Sunday morning when you get to watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's so right. You're going to watch that. Now, um, change of scene a little bit because you and I were, were talking off air just a few minutes ago, but... One thing I like to, one story I like to say about you specifically is you and I were at the same episode of Raw, not together, yes, we were. but through my invitation, 
and I set everything up while in different countries. And of course that was because we we're in a pandemic. <laughs> and so it was the Thunderdome. And I remember I, I think I reserved your spot because when the, those, when you could start reserving to get into the Thunderdome was in the middle of the night there in Australia. It was like 2 a.m. Yep. So you woke up to an email <laughs> saying, here's your invitation to Raw tonight or something like that. And then you're like, did you send this or set this up? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> now I'm a forever. I was so good. I'm going to still complain about that. So it was funny because you had a very, very good seat for that episode of Raw. Well, seat. Um, for, I guess, the only person who could see I say that in quotations was you, so hopefully you can hear it in my <laughs> voice. But um, you had a, they gave you a very good spot in the crowd. But I remember I I signed up. I signed myself up first. I joined the waiting room before, long before you did. Yes, and so we how that happened. We never saw me on TV until the very, very, very end of Raw, and I'm off like over on the aisle way. Somewhere around there. Yeah, and, and it, they left me on there for ages. And, and like you, in the same spot. Yeah, yeah no, I, because oh, that's the thing too, is yeah, they have said that people do move around a little bit, like where they put, or as we saw oftentimes, it's easy to get kicked out of the Thunderdome too. But, yeah. which was hard for me because I always wanted to do the Thunderdome for SmackDown because I didn't get the, the local channel that SmackDown came on. So that was my only way of watching SmackDown was to be in the Thunderdome. So if I got kicked out of the Thunderdome there, I wasn't watching SmackDown, but yeah. uh, but no, that episode of Raw was interesting because like you you were on TV a lot through that you're very easily seen, but you were also dare I say what what was going on? It was a it was a Tuesday morning there, so it was during your job. So like at one point you had a phone call you had to take, and um and so and then there was times where you may not have looked like you were watching the wrestling because well you couldn't i know that's what made it even strange like more strange <laughs> that i was left on there for so long like i think i had it mute for like probably three quarters of the episode or something well and that's um, I, I probably shouldn't give away their secrets but i'm going to it's a very strange experience being in the thunderdome because you have a guy working it the whole time who's like all right this person's coming out let's hear loud cheers for him oh, this person's coming out, let's boo them. And so some of those people who were kind of tweeners, I never knew how they were classified as heel or face other than being in the Thunderdome. And uh, I know. Maybe that's helped going past it and beyond the Thunderdome, though. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. got a bit more awareness of who's supposed to be what. <laughs> but it was uh, it was like one of the the high points, especially at the start of our friendship, is we attended Raw together. We did not sit together. <laughs> and physically, we were in two completely different continents, let alone countries, Even let alone better. cities. <laughs> but we were both there for that episode of Raw. And then afterwards, you get a shout out on Facebook from somebody else because you were easy to be spot on TV. And then there's me <laughs> who got you signed up for that Raw in the first place. But nobody would have thought to look for me because like, I think that episode I might not even advertise. And even if I did, it was very hard to find me. Like I couldn't find yeah. me. You and I both found me at like the very, very end, and mm. I had a terrible seat. <laughs> but it was—I still- really I, like. I know we were talking, but I really, I, I liked that concept at least for what it was. Being somebody so far away, um, just being yeah. able to be involved. Like it's almost a shame they didn't keep it in some capacity when they went back to live. I mean, I know they did for for a sort of short period, but right. Even just being able to have that opportunity to watch along, not necessarily cheer and get told how to cheer, per right. se, but okay. have such you, a cool idea. 
Have you ever been, uh, let's say WWE specifically, have you been to a WWE show in Australia? Yeah, plenty. Um, I've been, I mean, they when they come out, they're obviously live shows rather than like Raw Smackdown or okay, um, yeah. pay-per-view or anything. Um, oh, and I went to Super Showdown a couple of years that ago was when gonna they be had my that next, out here as well. My next question, like the Iconics got to go down there. It was a big deal for them. And uh, yeah. But yeah, okay, that so was you- actually a really, really good show for that element of it. Like the crowd was really hot for them. Um, and I think it was Buddy. Is it Buddy? Whatever Buddy goes by now. Oh, um, yeah. Um, no, Buddy Buddy Matthews. He was Murphy at the time. That's right. Yeah. Yep. yeah I couldn't remember which way around that went. Um, but to be honest with you, like having gone to a couple of the shows out here, like it, it's typical live event sort of stuff like you would expect, like a non-televised event. Um, I'm sort of on that mindset of I'd rather save to go to something like the cruise, like WrestleMania, okay. one of those big shows right. that I, I don't want to say means more because I still always have a really good time at the live events. But sure. if I have to be selective about what events I could go to, I'd much rather try and save towards something big like WrestleMania. So aside from the Australian shows, I've been to two Manias. Uh, I went to the first Double or Nothing um a rumble i think it's like four smackdowns two roars um a couple of nxt shows um you know everything that sort of comes along with that right. um i don't think i've missed anything so a few few yeah. live events you could say no and so the <laughs> here fun- and there i dabble there, there's here's one thing i didn't even realize until just now so one one match in wrestling history that will forever have a soft very soft spot in my heart is The Undertaker versus Triple H inside Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania 28. Shawn Michaels is a referee. End of an era. It was supposed to be their last ever, at least their last ever match against each other. Um, and of course, anybody who even remotely knows me, and especially see me in person, knows I like to show the video where they're hugging on stage, and afterwards it zooms out in the crowd, and there's a guy with a 20-0 and sign, and right behind him is a very confused-looking Johnny Cadillac trying to get a picture of one of the Titantrons, and so I was like, ah, right, I had my WrestleMania moment. And um, But what what's funny about all that is that was supposed to be the last ever time that it was... The Undertaker versus Triple H. Now, both of them were talking about retirement at that time, which is also funny because now both of them are retired. But both of them were talking about neither one of them did retire. And they had one more singles match against each other after that WrestleMania. And that was where you were in attendance for a Super Showdown. So I I never put that together until just now, but it's crazy how this world works. Oh, and I was so frustrated about it at the time because it's conflicting, right? You don't get good shows out here. Um, and I don't want to speak ill of the shows that do come sure. out. They are good shows. They're good for the fact that they're like live events, but you don't get your WrestleManias. You don't get your big shows out here. Right. Um, so it was a big show. And then to have something like that, it almost felt tainted. <laughs> like, I don't want to see this. I've, I've seen this ending. I don't want to ruin I mean, that ending. At, at least you weren't the there. Book I, didn't, I don't need to know how the book ends now. <laughs> At least you weren't there for the tag team match that followed that, like, like oh, was it in Saudi Arabia that, like, forever is, like, a stain. And that featured Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement after eight years, but, like, Triple H tearing his uh, bicep and, uh, and Shawn Michaels, who'd been retired for eight years, having to carry the match. And it was all sorts of, I, I don't want to s- say, speak negatively on wrestling here, but for lack of a better term, a lot of people found it, like... <laughs> 
awful. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> not not ideal at all. And uh, so, I mean, at least you weren't there for that. You were there the match that led up to that, but you weren't there for that. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Like the the ending of the match at Super Showdown was much the same. Everyone's standing there, arms up in the air together. They're all, you know, great match. <laughs> don't need to keep going. I was say, what? It was Undertaker that won that match. I don't even remember at this point. What do you no, remember? No, I don't either. To be honest. I, like, I, I, I never went back and watched it back. Um, okay, because I, I no, I think, I think Triple H won, and then during the celebration, that's when Kane came in. Because I know it was something that the Brothers of Destruction did that caused DX to make the challenge, caused Shawn Michaels to come out of retirement, and yeah. So I think it, they were just like bitter losers at that moment. Or, yeah. So. I, People can correct me if I'm wrong, that's fine, because chances are I'm not going to go back anytime soon and see if I was right or wrong. If anything, I'll do a Google search, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I only watched, I watched, because that came on at like some unholy early, I want to say that came on at like, su- it was super early in the morning here. So let's see, if it was, it, I want to say it came on at like four in the morning here. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, like and I, I remember my roommate was very upset because I, I watched that pay-per-view live. I got up super early to watch it, and uh, and Ryan Johnson came over. He got up super early. He came over and watched it with me, and we're watching a wrestling pay-per-view, and we are not mindful what time it was, so we weren't exactly quiet. And my roommate <laughs> being woken up at 5 in the morning while he's trying to sleep, but his roommate's watching wrestling, yeah, he was not too happy with me. <laughs> uh I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, and so, yeah, I, I did watch that live, and I never went back and watched anything from it since. So uh, the only no, difference not- was you were there in attendance for it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Man, I'm just still like, I'm just so honored that, uh, you know, and we, we talked about this off, off air a little bit, but you, uh, you got out of your comfort comfort zone to come onto this podcast and making your podcast debut in general so thank you for choosing caddy chat no, thank you like i keep saying thank you for having me yeah thank you for using <laughs> i can't believe you wanted to have me on <laughs> choosing my platform to make your podcasting debut did you like let's say four years ago did you would have ever would you have ever thought that if you were ever to be on a podcast that it was going to be one that was aired out of Nebraska. I didn't. I didn't specifically didn't want to say the United States, but out of Nebraska. <laughs> no, not specifically, but it was definitely always going to be wrestling. Okay, like, that's fair. You know, everyone's got that topic they're going to talk about. I think wrestling is probably mine. <laughs> 
Fun fact for you, my very my voice, my podcast debut of my voice was on this podcast called Talk is Jericho that came out on Christmas Day in 2020. Um, and that was, of course, the Q&A session from the second Jericho cruise. And which I was, oh. I was, oh, it drove me nuts because I was so impatient waiting. Because I didn't tell anybody. I think I told like one person aside from, you know, the people. And even on the cruise, I told the group of guys I roomed with that I was, my question was selected for it. And, uh, uh, and then that was it. And you know, so a couple of our, our friend circle found out, but mo- I stayed mostly quiet about that, but that was only on the cruise. And so like, uh, at, on that one, we had specific spots in the audience to sit where they, we pass the mic around to ask our question. And we all had to, we all got to choose if we had a, a plus one. So Mike Campbell was my quote unquote date for that. And uh, and so we took a qu- or a picture with my question. I'm like, all right, Mike, this is the only picture that I'm taking here that I'm not putting up on Facebook like right away because uh, I wanted it to be a surprise to my friends who listened to Talk Is Jericho who weren't on that cruise. Like, and that, oh my it goodness! Ever putting that episode out though because it was like. That, that was recorded at the end of January, and it came out on Christmas Day. So yes, almost yeah, a year. Yeah. And I was I was driven insane. I was like, so at this point, I did like a couple of the my cruise family members I didn't know on that cruise, but you know, thanks to th- being in a pandemic where things like Zoom calls just got to be all the more popular, all of a sudden I had more cruise friends from the cruise without actually talking to them on the cruise. And, uh, and so I did talk to a couple of them who wouldn't have known me on that cruise, but I was like, Hey, I was on that episode talk as Jericho. So I'm hoping it becomes an episode. And then like Jericho <laughs> didn't advertise for it ahead of time. Just, I woke up Christmas morning or something and they said, new episode talk is Jericho Q and a from the Jericho cruise. I'm like, oh, yes. And I remember specifically my mom was one of the people I did not tell. Like the only person I told from back, not even say back home. Cause he was out in uh europe back then too where he lives is was my brother i told i think i told my brother that i was selected on the q a session but i didn't tell anyone else from not on the cruise so i was at my mom's apartment and i was just like hey mom want to listen to the episode of talk is jericho that was dropped today and she goes sure so we're listening (laughs) to this and all of a sudden like all right next guest what's your name and where are you from and you hear Johnny Cadillac from Lincoln, Nebraska. I didn't say Johnny Cadillac, but <laughs> I said my name from Lincoln, Nebraska. And my mom goes, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so I pause it there for it to sink in with her. And then she, you didn't tell me this. I said, yeah, because I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't actually think I ever listened to that episode either. I was like, I remember it coming out. Oh, just, well, I think because you know, Unless I'd listen to it straight away, you know what happens. You run out of sync and just miss it. Right. No, I yeah, like, have a reason to go back. I mean, Grand, I've I've been on all the Jericho cruises, but you were on that cruise too. And but Yeah, I, I know. That's what's even more surprising that I haven't listened to it. I, I think I'm I think we saw part of it or maybe heard part of it when it was getting recorded. Gotcha. So maybe that's why I didn't end up going back to Right. Listen, no, and that makes sense. 
But my whole thing was because I've only I've done you know been on all four Jericho cruises, but I've actually done very few of the actual podcast sessions on those cruises. It's usually about a total of one per cruise I go to if I'm even lucky to go to a full podcast episode of that. And so when yeah, they those, usually do a few, don't they? Yeah, they they do like four <laughs> and uh, four per cruise of Talk Is Jericho alone. Because then you know there's those other like podcasts and stuff too. Um, but then those are the episodes I specifically look for because I don't listen to every episode of Talk is Jericho. That's my guilty truth there. And, uh, (laughs) but like, but when I saw this from the Jericho cruise, I'm like, all right, this is the next episode I'm listening to bar none. And, uh, and so, yeah, but when I saw that, that Q and a came out, I'm like, all right, listening to this right now. (laughs) Merry Christmas. I'm listening to Talk is Jericho. (laughs) But so the the other reason, the main reason otherwise why I wanted to bring you on to this podcast today, though, besides thank you for your support and the fact that I know I always have a good time talking to you, so it'd be great to have a, a podcast platform to talk to you on. But you, uh, you enter- I, I, I'm very entertained always by talking about certain wrestlers with you. Um, <laughs> and I, and you, you have a feeling you, ha- I know you know who two of them are, but. Yes. The handful of names I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and I think the one... You haven't mentioned it on this podcast yet, but I know you. And I know a little bit of... I don't want to say your background, but your fandom, so to speak. And I know, even more of a fun fact, there is a four-legged creature in your in your household who is named after a specific wrestler. And um, so go ahead and inform our listeners what wrestler I'm talking about. Uh, so Finn is named after Finn Bauer. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so he's Mini Finn. Um, he is his own little demon. That was, oh. <laughs> at the time, that was what the uh, in- inspiration was. <laughs> oh, that's even better. That's even better. But Finn Bauer has always been one of your favorites, correct? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yep. So I, I need to ask you, and you know, anybody who especially knows me, I don't want to say in person, but like on social media, whatever else, because I don't really talk about it enough on the podcast. But people who know me outside of this podcast knows I am a huge Rhea Ripley fan, huge Rhea Ripley <laughs> fan, and and I've always there was something about Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor, who then went by Damian Priest or something. He was always a heel, but again, I eventually grew up a little bit, so it's okay to like heels. Thank you, WCW and ECW uh, Alliance. <laughs> and um, but it's it's one of those things. So I've always kind of liked Punishment Martinez, and then when he got starting WWE and was Damian Priest, uh, I I always thought he was cool. Was he my absolute favorite? No, but I always really liked him. And so to me, Judgment Day is one of those factions that like now they're bigger than they ever have been before, and they have all this championship gold. What is your opinion on the collective faction of Judgment Day? I don't think I've ever even asked you about that remotely. So, No, and it's so funny you ask that because we were talking about this. I, I was talking about this. I was ranting on my soapbox about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, just in the fact that that group as a collective have done wonders for each other. Yeah, oh, most definitely. And it's almost like the boost they all needed. Like Dom- I was talking about it in the context of Dominic and how he can't even hold that microphone without people, like you can't even hear him anymore. And it's incredible. And he would never have gotten there without that group. Like they, they couldn't have kept him with Ray, but 
Yeah. There, there's no way he would have gotten <laughs> half the heat that he's getting now. I don't think without the group in its in its form. Right. Um, Rhea on her own probably would have been okay, but I think yeah. they've, they've come together in such a way that I don't think any of them – I almost liken it to when the New Day came together, and at the time they probably didn't necessarily know they needed it, but it's been the best thing for them. Well, so it was like, like it was a blessing in disguise to kick Edge out then. Yeah, almost. Like, I mean, and even when they did start that with Edge, it always it didn't feel right. Okay. You know, Edge is at that point, and I shouldn't say that, but unfortunately the, the retirement – that period of time really did hinder his career in the fact sure. that who he could have been as a character probably was not going to progress that far in his current run because that you know he's back for that nostalgia part more than anything right um so going so drastically different with the judgment day at the time i thought was a bit questionable but i think that led to a really good like outcome for everyone involved like having finn balor come in and take over and yeah i I really love the group. I think they're doing wonders. Um, so here's something yeah. you didn't, I, I don't, I'm pretty, pretty confident in the few years that you and I have been friends. I've never told you, but my very first pay-per-view ever attending was not WrestleMania was my second pay-per-view, but the very first pay-per-view I attended, like the one pay-per-view that came to Nebraska while I was a fan. Cause like, I think they did some like in your, in your house, WWF in your house in Omaha when I was only watching WCW, so I can't count those because I wouldn't have known anyway. Um, But the only pay-per-view after I started watching WWE that came to Nebraska, came to Omaha, was Judgment Day 2008. And uh, it's funny because so the heat that Dominic has now where the fans won't let him talk. He picks up a microphone, he opens his mouth, and all you hear is the booing. And I'm like, oh, it's reminiscent of his his aunt, Vicky Guerrero. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They're not actually related at all, which is funny because, like, obviously the Mysterios and the Guerreros are actually very, very close. And Dominic probably knows Vicky as his aunt, whether she actually biologically is or not. Um, Because I'm convinced that at Judgment Day 2008, and if you haven't, if you haven't watched it or you don't remember it, you know, feel free. You know, feel free, Moonbeam, to uh, go back on your uh, your twenty four seven channel if they they play it or what. I don't know how it works there. I just have Peacock here in the United States, but uh, go feel free to go back and watch uh, Judgment Day two thousand eight. The match. So there was no world champion at the time because the Undertaker's Hell's Gate finisher was banned. It was too dangerous. Blah blah blah. So there oh, was yeah. there was no world champion, and at Judgment Day 08, it was a match between The Undertaker and Edge to crown a new world champion, and like, I think Undertaker won by like disqualification or countout or something. So then Vicky Guerrero came out and said, nope, they're still not a world champion because everyone knows the title can't change hands on a countout or, or uh, disqualification. But the booing we did in Omaha, I was forever convinced, was the longest boo for Vicky Guerrero before she was actually able to talk in history. Like, you know, she would constantly say, excuse me, and and we just wouldn't let up. And maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my memory might be shaded a little bit, and there's definitely a lot of bias in that because I was a part of that crowd. But, uh, 
Um, I, I'm still convinced was the longest before Vicky Guerrero was able to talk. So then seeing Dominic now, I just still, regardless, I keep thinking of Vicky Guerrero where, you know, especially Vicky Guerrero in WWE and never being able to talk. The only difference is Dominic. Whereas I think of, I think of Roman at, um, Oh, okay. SummerSlam in Orlando after beating the Undertaker. Cause at, at Raw, Raw after, uh, at Raw after, there, after WrestleMania, you met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, felt, that, it felt like we were there for like 20 minutes just booing him, and he was just standing there with that bike, not saying a word. Okay, so so WrestleMania 33, that was one of the WrestleManias you were at then? Was that your WrestleMania debut? Yeah, that was. That was oh. my first one, yeah. And that was the, the very first WrestleMania after the last WrestleMania I've attended, so like that's still crazy how these things work. And uh, But I remember, and you might be right with that. Because that was very, very long. And then eventually all Roman Reigns could get out was, it's my yard now. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, like, like they had to cut it or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're, you're right. But up until that point, I would say Judgment Day 08 with Vicky Guerrero. And the history of Vicky Guerrero, I guess, in that matter. But yeah, I will think of Dominic when it's Dominic. Now, the tr- the difference is Dominic always gives up on what he's about to say. So then, like, Rhea Ripley has to take over for him anyway. <laughs> Mommy to the rescue, but... <laughs> and which, that's still weird to me, too, about Judgment Day, is it seems like everybody still loves Rhea Ripley. Like, I am not the minority in this by any means. Not at and, all. And, like, not you have, all. like, matches... I, I remember even Jim Cornette on his podcast, and I know that's not always the best, most credible source for a lot of wrestling fans, but I listened to his podcast review WrestleMania this year. And Jim Cornette himself said there's no way Rhea Ripley can stay a heel after her match with Charlotte Flair. And that match with Charlotte was incredible. Like, to me, yep. their match at WrestleMania 36 was very good, but it it was the best match of that weekend, I'll still say, but there was no crowd there. And so it took away yep. from what could have been even, you know, phenomenal, for lack of a better term. And so that's what this year's WrestleMania was able to do, was provide that platform with the crowd to make up for what wasn't there three years ago and they delivered and then and then people are like oh there's no way Rhea Ripley can stay a heel after that and she stayed a heel and she stayed with Judgment Day and it's just just killing it yeah but everyone still loves Rhea Ripley (laughs) she's very much a heel but it's okay to like mommy I guess (laughs) yeah apparently (laughs) so so overall then so Judgment Day has like the moonbeam stamp of approval as I like to say yeah, at least for now. I'm interested to see how they continue this because that money in the bank is going to be the real yeah. thing to watch well, here. And that was my whole thing, too, was like, you know, there was always animosity between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And I'm like, well, they're making up for things right now, but that's not going to last. And then they won the tag titles together. And I'm like, okay, well, that's different. Um, Let's see where things it go from here. Odd. It's like they almost wanted to give Finn the title. But they wanted Seth to hold it a little longer, so they didn't pull the trigger. Right now, that was the one because thing- it almost. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, finish that thought because I was about to change it a little bit. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I mean, okay, so I guess I'm assuming you would think Damien. Do you think Damien Priest, when he does cash in money in the bank, do you think he'll be successful? I'm still on the fence on that one. I'm assuming. Like uh, if I- go ahead. If you think of all the char- like all of their characters and their personas and the success that they're having, Damien Priest as who he is is still really not that defined. 
So who, who is he if he was to hold the champion, like the championship? I just Fair enough. I don't buy it yet. I, I think I need some more substance well, before I think that he would cash in successfully. Like I think he'll hold it for a while, but it sort of felt like they missed the opportunity. I mean, maybe they're holding off on it so that Finn picks up the title and they do something where that's the implosion because yeah. the, the way that they're going, they can't stay together as a group long-term successfully. <laughs> there's too many, there's too much star power, I guess. Like, well, And not to plug uh, my, not to plug my own podcast on my own podcast, but if you go back and <laughs> listen to the LA night episode I did, where I just kind of shared my thoughts on LA night and his rise um, I I ultimately felt like it was the right move. Now, the way they did it where L.A. Knight was the last person touching the briefcase before Damian Priest won, I thought that was kind of a slap in the face. But I felt like they made the right move by making Damian Priest the Money in the Bank briefcase winner. And I thought if L.A. Knight has a rise to fame, it would be more so on his own, like he earned it, not by winning a ladder match where he can then choose to cash in where the champ's vulnerable. Like, he can win a big we see, number one contender and match. And we see what happened when they, they rush that sort of stuff yeah. with someone as well. Like, it ends up, look what they tried to do with Cody. I mean, I had no problem with Cody winning at WrestleMania had Cody not have had that injury, like, and not had all that time off. But because he did, you can't have him come back at the Rumble where your average WWE fan probably hasn't <laughs> seen much of his work over the last couple of years and have him win the beat Roman at that point. Like, well, it's just not going to work. And that's where, fun fact to the occasional wrestling fan that might be listening to this, but Otis is a former Money in the Bank winner. Nobody ever talks about that anymore, but Otis did hold that briefcase for a while, and that was one where I was like, there's no way he's going to have a successful cash-in on that. Like, he's going to try, and then he, did, he, he lost stopped. The, the briefcase, didn't he? Yeah, didn't Miz won it in. from him, and then that's Miz right, had a yeah. successful cash-in, but... I think, and that's what really, that was great for the Miz. I mean, 2020, 2021, like the early part of 2021, I, no, actually the first half of the year, because it was Money in the Bank that was the first pay-per-view WWE with, with fans again, other than WrestleMania. But that was very very much so a dark period in time that it's so easy to forget about most of the things we saw back then. I still reference yeah. the eye for an eye match from time to time, and I know like everybody wants to forget that match. Do you know what, though? There was some good that came out of it. There was some really entertaining stuff, like that Money in the Bank match that Otis won. That was a really clever way of doing something a bit Yeah, it was. It's still, you know, there's a lot of people. I I understood the concept, and obviously it was was one of the more entertaining cinematic matches. I I think I still would have preferred if there was two Money in the Bank ladder matches as opposed to both happening at the same time. But yeah, it was it was still creative for what they had access to do at that time. Um, and many can argue if it wasn't for the eye for an eye match, we would have never had a faction in AEW called the House of Black. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're right. Nevertheless, we have talked quite extensively about judgment day and i'm still more than anything curious on how things play out from there because ultimately yes they're tag team champions but i i think the split will still happen but kudos to them because they're they're very prominent and they're very successful in what they're doing right now and you know they're in the main event spot of the shows like constantly 
Now, that's yeah, what I was going to say. We're, when we're recording this, I watched very, very, very little of SmackDown. But one thing I did see that I forgot about until we're in that conversation that I actually was quite intrigued by is the possible rivalry going forward between Judgment Day and Bobby Lashley and the Street, and the, uh, street Profits. I was like, oh, that could be fun. I don't know. We shall see. It's, it's something different, something new. Like, Lashley and the Street Profits. Well, the Street Profits had dealt with Judgment Day. Lashley certainly hadn't, so. Uh, what I'm curious is how much longer have the Street Profits got as a tag team? Okay, that's before fair. Before they expire as a tag team. Before they, and I don't. They're a great team. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Before they decide that Montez Ford needs to be a single star. Montez Ford, yeah. Like, at some point, they've got to pull <laughs> that pin, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think. But, okay, one wrestler I know we will forever agree on, I'm not, am I saying this sarcastically or not? We shall see, is Sami Zayn. <laughs> and you, obviously, I'm not sarcastic <laughs> at all. I have loved Sami Zayn from the get-go. He got a little annoying exactly. for for a while with his, I don't know, his his complaining attitude about absolutely everything. But I still... what. My whole thing as a fan, once I really get behind somebody, I try my best to stay behind that person regardless of decisions they make, things they say. And we'll get to a golden example of that here in a few minutes. But Sami Zayn was one of those when he was in NXT and I started watching NXT again. Um, you know, NXT Arrival, he had an incredible match with Cesaro to kick off the show. And that was really where I was first introduced to Sami Zayn. And was an absolute fan of his ever since then. And uh, to see where we're at now, or even like, you know, six months ago, even more so, where Sami Zayn is at the biggest height of his career. And, you know, he was an honorary oos. And that was one thing you and I always kind of connected on at that point was our fandom and support of Sami Zayn. So... I mean, I'm going to just give you a platform to talk about Sami Zayn for a second, Sam. Uh, look, all I want to say is they did him the dirty with Roman. Like, they knew they weren't going to have him win. They should not have had him go up against him in his hometown. Okay, that's That fair. was horrible. That, it, oh, I, I know, it's probably one of those things we've spoken to death on, but, yeah, you know, and like I touched with Cody before, if Cody was not supposed to win there, then, or if, if Cody was the intention, they shouldn't have had Sammy lose at that point. Well, leave the judgment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> bloodline. They shouldn't have had Sammy leave the bloodline at that point. They should have kept it going and, and not had him lose in front of his hometown crowd with so much behind him. Like, you know, we, we joked, I think, probably both on and off um, this discussion today about when – you you root for the bad guy and you don't, right. you know, it's good to root for the bad guy. But sometimes that good guy needs to win. And that was one of those moments where they could have had Sammy lose a month later. It wouldn't have mattered. What would have mattered is having had that moment for well, the, that payoff. There and a- it just feels like since then we haven't really had that. And Sammy, like, I mean, WrestleMania was great. The tag titles were great, but that's the consolation prize in that storyline. And they've now lost those titles, and it's almost like Sammy's faded back into the background again. That I will not disagree with you on. Um, I I was very much so, and I've talked about on this podcast, getting ready for WrestleMania, 
I was very much so in the camp that the tag title match needed to be the main event of night one, and I was happy that it was. Um, because other than, you know, I mean, Roman and Cody was obviously going to be the whole weekend main event, but I felt like otherwise that had the most story going into it. And so I was happy that even though the match itself, like I still feel Charlotte and Rhea Ripley stole a show, honestly, that entire weekend, in my opinion, but I felt they didn't have enough of a rivalry, like enough of a story for a WrestleMania rivalry, let alone a WrestleMania main event rivalry. So I think WWE made the right call in making the tag title match in the main event night one, especially because we've never seen a tag title match in the main event of a WrestleMania before anyway. So yeah. It was history making in itself. But yeah, and Sami Zayn, you know, they won the titles and it felt so good. And then he kind of, I don't want to say faded off into oblivion, but in a sense... Um, since then, like, you know, he's not as big of the star now as he was, you know, five months ago. And, mm-hmm. um, they were, I feel like WWE is kind of pushed in a very crowded corner at that time, though, because it wasn't just Cody Rhodes needs to finish the story. He needs to have that moment where he wins the championship. It needs to be WrestleMania to do so. It wasn't even just that. But Roman Reigns has been on an incredible title reign. At that point, he was pushing a 1,000 days, and I was like, okay, well, he's not going to make it to a 1,000 because he's going to lose it at WrestleMania. And then, you know, creative thought otherwise and what Johnny Cadillac had to suggest, but I digress. Um, But, yeah, and and you're not wrong, and I like to talk about that, especially on this very podcast about, well, what was the right call made there? If you want to go back and listen to, like, the Chief out of Kula Kula episode, Chief and I talk about that a little bit, and um, where he felt... It was, or he, and he wasn't wrong in saying in wrestling it's more about the chase in the story than it That's is right. the finish line, especially for Sami Zayn's case. But yeah, I don't know. And okay, here's next question I want to ask you. I know what your heart says, but your honest opinion: Does Sami Zayn ever become a world champion in WWE for either of the world titles? Oh. I want to say, oh, this is a hard one. You really right? stumped me with that. Because even putting my heart out of it, it, he should be. I agree. He is an amazing talent. Whatever character they've given him, he has smashed it in his own way. Like when he was all conspiracy nut crazy, mm-hmm. loved it. It was phenomenal. Okay. But I can't help but feel that what they did with the bloodline really halted that. What not necessarily halted it. I think it showed Sammy's potential, but I, I think by, and I don't even want to say they've ended it because they haven't. It's still ongoing. Yeah, I feel like they really put they they put water over the fire on that one. I mean, he- and I think it cooled Sammy, and I, I just wonder whether he's going to get the opportunity again. Yeah, is more to the point because it's not. And I don't feel that, like, I, I still feel you could throw him back in right now as a prominent character, but how long does that last in this storyline before right. you have to start building him up again? Do you know? And, yeah. and I guess that's the part I wonder. Um, how long do you need to do that? Well, it's like, I think I think he can very much so earn his way. Like, he can win the hearts back all over again. And because yeah, yeah. he he can do that, but does WWE take that chance? Does WWE be willing to take that risk on him? I don't know the answer to that either. I see arguments for both sides, 
And so uh, it's still it's hard to know. My heart and my bias says absolutely put the put a world that's even right. if it's yeah, Seth right. Rollins' current title, put that on him. I don't care, but make him a world champion. Yes, please do. But reality speaking, I, I don't know. I really don't. The landscape could shift if they ever take that title off Roman and they actually make those two titles relevant. Yeah. Well, because right now it feels like they've just gone, hey, Roman's had this title forever now. Let's make this new one. We'll give it to Seth. We'll actually start having a champion that shows up. Here's this other guy that comes around sometimes who's held this title for ages, but <laughs> it's kind of like his now, so no one worries about it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I don't know. So what if they got that title off him and they had the two titles? Maybe there's the opportunity for Sammy. Maybe there's that extra because you've got so many, so many viable options for champion. Yeah, that I feel with one title he's probably going to get missed more than if there's the opportunity for the two. That's fair. So okay, so Roman Reigns holding the title for you know who knows when he'll lose it has been a champion for a very long time, then how would you feel if, let's say Cody isn't the one to get it done. I I still think, ultimately, Roman Reigns' championship reign will end at WrestleMania this year at the hand of, of Cody Rhodes. That's my honest thought. We'll see. But what if WWE throws that curveball and the guy to the throne, Roman Reigns, is somebody who is not currently on the WWE roster at all, just recently getting fired effective immediately with cause from his AEW contract and CM Punk jumps ship. Cause you know, I, I have to, be, t- I think that would be an absolute bloat insult <laughs> to fans everywhere. I don't think that would be happen, an insult but... to the work they have done with their storyline. <laughs> and it would be an insult to every single one of us. That- <laughs> can't say it. <laughs> you and I have agreed on so much wrestling in the few years that we've been friends, and I always enjoy talking to you, but I always, again, when I find a reason to get behind somebody, I stay behind that person, and CM Punk has tested my limits with that very doing so many times over the last however many years, but I've stayed in his camp, I've stayed a supporter, and this whole thing with AEW is very frustrating to me. And I usually, I just did um, Brian Knapp, the writer of the Johnny Cadillac theme song, who we hear every single week on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast at the very start. Um, he has a podcast. I was told I'm supposed to have a podcast, I believe. Let me make sure, because if Brian's listening to this and I butchered the name of his own podcast, he will never forgive me. So I'm going to look it up just to make sure. I was told I'm supposed to have a podcast. Exactly what I said. I didn't want to butcher that, though. And uh, as of this recording, the episode hasn't come out yet. But I went on to his podcast, and we talked pretty extensively all about CM Punk and the fallout with AEW. And I told him ahead of time that it was a very... I I actually felt like I wasn't the expert in it. And because I, I only knew so much... So much so, I watched All Out or All In, and I watched the Zero Hour where Jungle Boy does the Rolling Thunder on the car, and then turns to the camera and says, "Look at that real glass, Crimea River." And I had no idea what he was talking about when he said that, and I was just like, "Okay, he's just a heel. He's just being a jerk. Whatever. Move on. Hook wins the title. Yay!" And then everyone's talking about it online. 
word broke very fast that there's some sort of altercation backstage between CM Punk and Jack Perry. If I said Jungle, I know I said Jungle Boy. I meant to say Jack Perry. He doesn't go by Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy's dead and buried now. But not in my lines, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but and then and then word breaks out everywhere to the point, and I think. We we talked a little bit about all, and I think even on the podcast, and I know we talked about it off air. Uh, you wake up and you go check out just anything, and the first thing all you're seeing about All In has nothing to do with the pay per view itself. All you're seeing yeah. about is CM Punk and Jack Perry. You're laughing at me, and you even said you were going to come on to this podcast and laugh for an hour um, <laughs> because you've you've been annoyed by my fandom of CM Punk. And you've been far from a fan. Well, first of all, has there ever been a time where you did like CM Punk, honestly speaking? I think really early on, WWE. Okay. Before the insufferable straight edge. Oh, okay. That was, and I know that obviously as a character by design. Right. That's designed to annoy. I just, (laughs) the self-righteousness in his attitude just irritated me from, with that character. Um, again, wrestling talent, and like we spoke about, I can acknowledge what a great wrestler he is in terms of psychology, but in terms of me being a fan, I'm just not a massive fan. Um, but I think what shifted that was after watching, was really early on in the WWE, WWE Network days with um, one of the documentaries they have on there with him. Um, it's his documentary, and just hearing his story and listening to the way that he was talking, I was just like... As much as I tried to be a fan, I just could not bring myself to be a fan. Um, And by no means am I critical of anyone that is a fan because I can obviously appreciate what he does do and and those matches that he has had that have been incredible. Yeah. Absolutely, we'll call him on that. But I think, like I said to you um, before we came on on air, was I don't think he was doing his best work at at this point. Now, all bias or unbiased aside, do you do you think somehow or another, in some sort of capacity, we see CM Punk in WWE again, even if it's a Hall of I'm Fame induction or anything? One. I don't know about the Hall of Fame in, Hall of Fame induction. I would not be surprised if there's something part time potentially. Okay. I, whether we see him like 365 days, no, I, I don't think it'll be full time. I think it might be like I, I could be wrong. It's a hard one, though, when yeah. you've been in that position where you've been so publicly fired, or at least that's what it seems to be. That's a very difficult thing to justify for such a company, like for a company like WWE, for a traded company. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll see, won't we? We'll see. I mean, this, I can promise you, if we somehow or another see him again, whether I think... The ship has sailed, it's ran its course regardless. I promise you, I will tease you about it. Because <laughs> I think you're going to already oh, expect I'm... that, even if I didn't tell you that just now. <laughs> but Oh, for sure. Um, and, yeah, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, for the fans' sake, I hope that's the case. And I yeah. hope that he gets the opportunity to have the run that he should have to round out a career that he has had. Um, I think how he's left AEW and the, the the stuff that has come out of there, I think that's left such a stain on his career. And I don't think that was aided by how he left WWE. And I understand the 
you know, the complexities behind it, the exhaustion, the, the injuries, all that sort of thing. But to spend seven years hearing fans cheering your name and not addressing it once until you come back to wrestling, I don't think is very respectful to your fans. Okay. And I think you saying, I love your fans and you're not addressing that is just not <laughs> not what you do. It will just be interesting because there's, there's that list of people who are still alive because obviously the one major exception, if, if I didn't leave it at that, is Chris Benoit. But uh, there's those the list of names that are like forever. I'm not even going to say blacklisted because a lot of the times it was those individuals that won nothing to do with WWE, but other times they were vice versa where things did get reconciled. You had the Ultimate Warrior. You had Bret Hart. You have Bruno San Martino even. Um, the only name I can think of right now, aside from, again, the obvious and CM Punk, if CM Punk's still in that conversation, which at this point he needs to be, is Vince Russo. I don't see Russo getting involved in WWE again. But everyone else, they they have found ways to reconcile and get their Hall of Fame induction. Jeff Jarrett's another one. Um, I don't think it's out of the question, but I think there there's quite clearly something there, regardless right. of what you... like. You know, I don't want to speculate on things that get said or not said in the dirt sheets. But in any event, everyone has the opportunity to set the story straight. And when there's consistent themes and patterns happening, you do have to wonder about the underlying behavior. Right. And I think that is probably something that needs to be addressed before um, before they go, before there's any discussion. Although I did see an interesting take on um, on this on Twitter, I think it was, or X, whatever it <laughs> is now. Um, that was basically calling out the fact that maybe having the creative freedom was something that was too much yeah, for CM Punk and correct. maybe the structure of WWE is a much better fit for him as who he is. Um, maybe it's NXT. Maybe maybe it's something completely different. Who knows? Maybe it's Impact. What? <laughs> maybe. One, one person you and I, I don't think we've ever talked about and a lot of times feels like, I don't want to say she's forgotten, um, but, and I'm thinking specifically of the episode of, of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk when I had Mongo and Emily from Cruising with Kayfabe on, and one point Emily brought up was AJ Lee. I mean, what, what's been, what's been your opinion of AJ Lee all, all like, the years she wrestled, or, I don't think she really has, like, I'm not gonna say a public name now, but she's not in the conversation as much because she hasn't been active with wrestling in a very long time. Where CM Punk has, you know, gone back. But what's mm. what's been your opinion of AJ Lee as a wrestler and since then? I was never a big fan. Okay. Um, but I think that was she was really at a time where women's wrestling wasn't very entertaining to watch. Okay, fair enough. Let's be frank. Um, you know, it was quick matches. It was. A lot of matches built around Total Divas, which, you know, I watch that show, but when you watch <laughs> wrestling, you don't want something based around a TV show. You want right. something with substance. Um, yeah, I, I really, honestly, I probably don't have much of an opinion. Okay. Um, I think her work where she was a manager was a lot stronger as a character than what her wrestling and her wrestling character ended up being. Um, particularly towards the end of her run where she was just like her character just seemed like she was dodging matches and there was no real, okay, but what else is going on here? Right. Yeah, just it felt a little, I mean, do you almost put her in the Beth Phoenix category of being at the wrong time, like the wrong era? Fair enough. 
like if she was wrestling today with some of the women that are around wrestling today, I think it would be a much different, I think she would thrive more okay. than the environment she was in back then. Because you, you think about who she was wrestling back then, she was very much the, I mean, Paige obviously came and, and won that title, but or Soraya, sorry, but, <laughs> um, you know, everyone else was sort of that cookie cutter women's wrestler at the time, you right. know. Um, so, yeah, I probably no real opinion on her, but I would have been really, really keen to see, I, I'd be keen to see her come back to some capacity okay. to see what she could do with some of the, some of the people we, we see now, even if that's a dub or, I mean, probably unlikely um, for personal reasons, obviously, right. but maybe like, even if that's impact or something um, or NXT rather than, you know, WWE well, itself. Okay, do you think her legacy can be tarnished, though, for the simple fact that even though they... they, It was never, like, a public story or anything, but everyone knows she's the wife of CM Punk. Do you think that could tarnish her legacy just for that one simple reason? I don't know whether we say tarnish the legacy, but I think it might tarnish any opportunity. You okay. know, if that was some thought of whether she wants to wrestle again or not. And and look, how long has it been now? It's like nearly 10 years, I'd say. Maybe that's unlikely. But, right. you know, do you ever rule out a rumble spot or something like that even? Um, you know, maybe maybe it hinders those opportunities. Maybe think, they don't call for those rumble spots. Who knows? I think AJ Lee is enough of an individual that you if she so. had that, that surprise Royal Rumble entry that I think more people would be happy and pleased about than disappointed. And they the wouldn't... problem I would have with that, and the question that I would ask, is whether it would be overshadowed by speculation of, does this mean that CM Punk's coming back to WWE? Yeah. You that, know, those that would of... be there too, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's the part that, and especially with him and, and, and what's happened in the last couple of weeks with the all-in, regardless of what you think about the situation of, oh, well, J- Jungle Boy or Jack Perry shouldn't have said what he said, if I'm waking up to see what is their biggest show in their history and the first thing I see is that sort of speculation and garbage, it's pretty bad. Fair enough. That's overshadowing a really good moment. And you and I wouldn't want to see that with AJ because that would be a big thing for her to come back after so long. Imagine a surprise Rumble appearance after 10 years, for example. Like, you know, we, we saw what that was like when Edge and, and other people have come back after that length. I think it would be a really exciting moment for fans. Um, but I do think it could potentially be hindered again with all that sort of speculation and nonsense. All right. Well, uh, get ready to wrap things up here. I can keep talking to you about it, and you better believe over the next, like, week or several years, for that matter, I'm going to continue to message <laughs> you about it. But, um, I mean, we could still keep going, so I'm going to... I'm going to have to bring you back on the podcast, so take you out of your comfort zone yet again at some point down the road. Um, so just so, so you had that fair warning, similar to Jesse Esquiville, <laughs> um, I'm not giving you the option. I'm just letting you know that you're going to be back. <laughs> and so <laughs> so uh, I did, did appreciate your time here today. But before we go, I want to ask one question. And we talked about this off air, but I'm going to let the listeners hear because you've experienced both now. One question I like to ask people on social media years ago, I put put up this poll. If there's only one WWE show you watch, would it be WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble? And I want to ask you that specifically because you've been in attendance for both events. So you would have a little more 
of a story behind your answer, but I, I, I'd be amiss if I didn't give you that same question. Um, for sure, the rumble. And I think we sort of, I gave you a couple of examples when we were chatting earlier, but the, there's something really special about the surprise element of the rumble. Even yep. when there is, you know, we think it's going to be this person and we have a couple of numbers announced. And it's just that excitement of counting down, watching people come out. How's it going to be? What's the, what's going to be funny? You know, who who are we going to be really surprised by? And I think it's one of those, like with all of the wrestling that we have, it's one of those big events that stands in isolation. You don't need to worry about the story that's going on around it. You don't have yeah. to worry about the lead up. It's really its own story in itself. And I think oh, that's yeah. really where the fun of it is. One question I haven't asked you, I have a feeling, but I, I need to ask you now on the podcast where we have listeners. Um, so you were at, you were lucky enough to be at the 2020 Royal Rumble. You saw after, after so many years, the return of Edge after what, nine years? And, um, and so there, there was rumor going of that ahead of time. You and the audience, was that something you were thinking? Were you, were you convinced that you were going to see Edge or was that a genuine surprise for you? No, look, I obviously you're on socials, you see the rumors and stuff, right. but I sort of pass by, whatever, don't think about them too much. But at, at the moment, you're not really thinking about who comes out next, at yeah. least not, not there. You're sort of counting along, you know, countdown's on, everyone's chanting, and then that music hits and you just don't, that's what you don't expect. <laughs> um, that was one. Um, I was also lucky enough to be at WrestleMania 33 when the Hardys came back, and that was a very similar oh, one. Yeah, you know, everyone in the crowd was chanting "Delete." Like we knew that, we knew it, we knew they were coming out. But in that moment, like it didn't even matter if you had that spoiler of "Oh, hey, Edge is going to be in the Rumble." Like you just, it was just unreal. I want to actually, I should be going, but there, I'm so so enamored by this Royal Rumble and questions i never thought of asking you until having you on the podcast the way that, and that that's the thing about edge's en- entry in that royal rumble that made it even more special is he was not entry number 30 it was just a random entry number so like even the yeah. people who were expecting edge to come back they weren't like all right this is going to be when edge comes back they had no idea that's right there's no way of knowing that's and, right. and i couldn't even i honestly and i don't know if you remember off the top of your head i don't even remember what entry number he was i just know it wasn't 30 no, I feel like it was the top, like the top end of the numbers, but, but I, I couldn't tell you how far towards the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the the other the thing that I remember most about that rumble, otherwise, you know, of course, that was when Drew McIntyre had his moment, and that was very cool. And then just disappointing that when he got his WrestleMania moment, there was no fans there, not, rubbed and attendance for it. But how do you feel being there? Brock Lesnar's entry number one as the WWE champion and every entry that came in after him up until what, like number 12 or 15 or something, it was like quite a bit. Everyone's just getting thrown out right away. Was that I frustrating was for so you annoyed. there? Okay. I was like, of course, the one show I go to and this is what happens. Like, no, not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, then it obviously turned around, which was good. But even watching it back, I'm like, oh, actually it felt better being in the crowd because at least the oh. crowd had... You know what crowds are like. They've yeah. got their own sort of shenanigans well, going on. but it, We, we yeah. talked about it off air, too. That was the return of MVP, and he was one of those like mm-hmm. 10 people that was just eliminated 
Actually, it was more than that. I don't remember what the number was, but like it was just eliminated right away. So even he had a big surprise entry, and it was just ruined right away for him because Lesnar threw him out right away. <laughs> like, yeah. Were you were yeah. you worried that Lesnar was going to do that through the entire Rumble match and win it? <laughs> no, but I think I've said to like the people I was with, if if we get to like twenty and this is still happening, I'm leaving. Mm. Like I'm not going to watch the end of this. <laughs> okay. Um, which obviously I wouldn't have, but I don't want to see that anymore. Come on, give us some action. <laughs> I will I will give a kudos and shout out to the Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Facebook producer when we are on Facebook Live, Ryan Johnson, who was at my apartment that night for the Royal Rumble in Lincoln, Nebraska, not in Houston, Texas. And uh, he will forever, as great as it was, seeing Drew McIntyre hit that Claymore on, Shame- on, Sheamus, on Brock Lesnar and eliminate him. Ryan was always upset with everyone saying, "Oh, McIntyre did that on his own," and he always wanted to make sure Ricochet had his had his mention too. He's like, "If it wasn't for Ricochet, maybe McIntyre wouldn't have been able to do that." But Ricochet was involved, <laughs> and nobody gives him credit. <laughs> uh, that is true. That is true. <laughs> so that's neither here nor there, but I do know. Um, that's the only trouble with having you on on the podcast is we're very limited in the time that would actually work for both of us. <laughs> so as we're recording this, I'm looking at the time and thinking I should have been in bed a long time ago. But it was a <laughs> lot of fun, and uh, yes, it was. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And maybe when you come back, it'll be on a on a night when we record that I don't have to work so early the next morning. Yes. <laughs> but I do appreciate you coming on to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast today. It was it was a very fun conversation with you. And uh, yeah, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I just appreciate your time and uh, your opinions because it, <laughs> it, it was eye-opening in a lot of ways, too. And then you told me of events you were at that I didn't know you were or events that you were at that I had forgotten you were at. So. Yeah, no, it was great. So thank you again. I really absolutely. appreciate it. Well, this was another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and we are here with special guest Sam Moonbeam Davidson. I will for- <laughs> I've called you Sam throughout. I've called you Moonbeam throughout. With you, I can get away with it, So, but it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And as I kind of alluded to, it's another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.